You're listening to On Israel in Al Monitor, and I'm in Tasquid from Tel Aviv. Our regular listeners know that Israel produces more news in one week than most countries do in a whole year. The first week of May was uh, one such week. It started off with the escalating tensions between Israel and Russia over Hitler, no less, and ended with three Israelis axed to death by Palestinian terrorists in the town of Elad. The diplomatic incident with Russia followed a stunning statement by Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, who repeated the claim that his country had invaded Ukraine in order to denazify it, and went on to say that the fact that Ukraine's President Zelensky was himself Jewish did not absolve him of uh, Nazism. This is an exact quote of what Lavrov said in a TV interview. Hitler also had Jewish blood. It means absolutely nothing. The wise Jewish people say that the most ardent anti-Semites are usually Jews. These comments uh, set off a firestorm in Israel and Jewish communities around the world. They were outraged, hardly believing what they were hearing. A major international figure was saying that Adolf Hitler, the incarnation of evil, who set out to wipe out the Jewish people and exterminated six million of them, was himself Jewish and was an anti-Semite just like many other Jews. The furious uh, reactions would have continued, but uh, they were uh, overtaken by public anger at the Palestinian terrorists who struck down Israel in celebrating the country's Independence Day. An apology by Russian President Putin to Prime Minister Bennett in a phone conversation also helped ease the tensions. But uh, Lavrov's uh, remarks served to fuel a shift in Israeli policy, which was already moving away from the neutrality it had adopted in the early weeks of the Russia-Ukraine war and was taking a clearer stand on the side of Ukraine and the West. The deluge of uh, condemnation of Lavrov's claims began at the top, with Bennett calling, him, uh, calling them lies, Foreign Minister Lapid saying they were unforgivable, and the Yad Vashem World Holocaust Remembrance Center warning that they were dangerous and could fuel anti-Semitism. In Moscow, meanwhile, Russia's foreign ministry responded to the condemnations by accusing Israel of supporting neo-Nazis in Ukraine and calling Lapid's comments anti-historical. In Tel Aviv, senior military officials were asking themselves where this clash would end and when it would begin to endanger Israel's air activity over Syria against Iran's entrenchment there which is being conducted with uh, Russia's consent. Had, uh, has Putin's apology on behalf of the Russian people and Lavrov put an end to this affair? What led Lavrov to make his uh, stunning statement on Hitler's Jewish roots, and what did he base it on? We will ask these questions of a man best suited to answer them. Yad Vashem chairman, and former Israeli consul in New York, Danny Dayan. He's already, already been a guest of uh, our podcast in the past, but on other topics. 
Every Israeli is familiar with the Yad Vashem, uh, as are many around the world. This unique institution contains an institute for Holocaust research, huge archives, the names of uh, the six million who perished, a study center, a museum, and more. Every foreign leader on an official visit to Israel is taken to pay his or her respects at Yad Vashem, light a candle, and hear about the trauma of the Jewish people. Yad Vashem Chairman Danny Dayan join us right after this short break. Elizabeth Hagedorn, and I'm the State Department Correspondent at El Monitor. And I'm Joe Snell, I'm El Monitor's video editor. Let's admit it, this past year has been difficult to stay on top of the news and sift through what's accurate and what's misleading. Let El Monitor help you. If you care about the Middle East and North Africa, you should consider listening to El Monitor's audio series on the Middle East with Andrew Parasoliti and Amber and Zaman, and on Israel with Ben Caspi. You can now watch our newest video podcast, Reading the Middle East with Gilles Capel. You can subscribe to these series on your favorite podcast platforms. And through a host of free daily and weekly newsletters, we offer a range of perspectives with the highest journalistic standards. You can subscribe to these newsletters at almonitor.com. As an award-winning media service headquartered in Washington, D.C., Almonitor has a network of over 160 contributors around the world. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to visit almonitor.com, where you can find all of these newsletters and podcasts, along with first-class reporting and analysis. Now I'm happy to uh, say hello to uh, Yad Vashem Chairman, Danny Dayan. Shalom, Danny. Thank you for joining us uh, here in, uh, on Israel in Al Monitor. Hello, Ben. Always good to be with you. Okay, let's uh, dive uh, straight into uh, this, I think, it's a weird affair. And I'm talking, of course, about the, the Lavrov remarks and his uh, scandalous a, a comparison or, or a remark that uh, Hitler was a partial Jew. As far as you're concerned, does Putin's apology wipe the, the slate clean? Can we go back to the good relations Israel enjoys uh, with Russia? Well, I'm not talking about uh, the relations between Israel and Russia. I'm not, uh, as, as an Israeli, of course, I am very interested in the relations of my country with the Russian Federation and with any other uh, country, for sure, a, a superpower. But uh, as chairman of Yad Vashem, it is not my direct concern, uh, neither uh, the attitude uh, of Israel regarding the, the invasion of, by Russia of Ukraine or, or the security situation, the security uh, involvement of uh, Russia in Syria or things like that. Uh, my responsibility is towards the victims of the Holocaust, the survivors of the Holocaust, and to put the record straight on uh, Jewish history. And in that respect, uh, I believe that the stain uh, remains. For sure, it remains uh, on Mr. Lavrov, uh, but uh, in some sense, uh, also on the Russian regime. We, I am glad that uh, uh, Mr. Putin apologized to Prime Minister Bennett, although I must say that I would be uh, happier if uh, we would have uh, read the apo that apology in the Kremlin's account 
of the conversation and not only on the Prime Minister of Israel's account. But, you know, since the Prime Minister announced it publicly and the, the Kremlin did not uh, uh, reject that, did not deny that, I think we can count as an apology by the, uh, by the Kremlin. But as I said, the stand on Mr. Lavrov remains. Yes, I wanted to add that, uh, that Mr. Lavrov's uh, remarks were public and the apology was not, and uh, you just uh, referred to it. I want to ask you, do you think that uh, expressing a conspiracy theory according to which Hitler had the uh, Jewish blood is uh, in itself anti-Semitism? Yes, yes, and again, yes. That is anti-Semitism. The remark of Mr. Lavrov was anti-Semitic without any uh, reservation, without any doubt. And I will tell you why, uh, uh, Ben. Uh, the Holocaust is uh, the most atrocious um, act of evil that uh, was done uh, by non-Jews to the Jewish people. And basically, uh, what Mr. Lavrov says, said here in the Italian television, um, almost explicitly, is that uh, at the top of the pyramid uh, of the group that did it to the Jewish people stood the Jew. And uh, that the Jews are the most, uh, uh, the greatest anti-Semites. So basically, uh, what he's saying here is what we, would, we call an inversion of the Holocaust. The victims become perpetrators, become at least part of the perpetrators, even the head of the perpetrators. Uh, so this is a classic anti-Semitic theme. This is a classic anti-Semitic trope that uh, blames the Jews uh, for the fact that uh, they were uh, persecuted and massacred. Uh, so without any reservation, and very painfully, I, say, I see it, and, you know, I am not saying it uh, uh, lightheartedly, I think it's a very serious thing, but I must say, as chairman of Yad Vashem, that what uh, the foreign affairs minister of the Russian Federation uh, said was clearly anti-Semitic. We know, uh, uh, Danny Diane, that uh, President Putin is not anti-Semitic. On the contrary, he seems to have a great affection for the Jewish people uh, over the years. It seems to me that Lavrov is also considered a good friend of Israel and has many friends here. So what was this all about? I listened carefully to him. He also he, he even said, if you remember, that uh, even the Jews says that uh, the biggest uh, criticism uh, over the Jews is coming from within, etc., etc. Maybe he forgot himself in the heat of the fight against the Ukrainians or something, or, or am I too kind? Um, look, uh, I am not a psychologist. Uh, I'm not a psychologist of Mr. Lavrov. Uh, but, you know, anti-Semitism has this... Uh, weird uh, characteristic uh, that uh, sometimes it appears in the most unexpected moments when a person is, as you, you, you hinted, it is in, a, in the heat of the debate uh, uh, or a discussion or a very heated discussion, uh, suddenly anti-Semitic prejudices uh, appear uh, out of the blue. 
uh, unexpectedly and even in some cases from persons that you wouldn't uh, expect that and that uh, can happen in a you know uh, in a discussion between uh, two persons in a in a pub or an interview by a foreign minister uh, on a, on a, on television it can happen anywhere but uh, i must add this uh, ben if you let me yeah. um the entire conflict the entire war the entire invasion of russia into ukraine is uh, too saturated with uh, um a vocabulary that uh, shouldn't exist. Uh, the talk uh, of uh, President Putin of denazification of uh, Ukraine. And you know, the, Mr. Lavrov himself in that interview, the second part of his interview was about uh, uh, Zelensky being a Nazi and uh, the Ukrainian regime being Nazi. That is also a, a, a distortion, a trivialization of the Holocaust. Because if that is the way that Nazis look and behave, then uh, apparently Nazism is not so terrible. Um, that is also a denigration of the victims and affront to the victims of the Holocaust. But uh, I must also say that the Ukrainians uh, and Mr. Zelensky personally are not also uh, are also not innocent in that respect. Um, the statement by uh, the Ukrainian ambassador in Israel and later repeated by Mr. Zelensky himself about the, uh, the, the uh, Ukrainian people allegedly helping Jews in, in, during the Holocaust, uh, that also was a distortion uh, of uh, uh, historical facts that we not only regret, we condemn. So both sides, unfortunately, in their propaganda, in this war, uh, use uh, arguments that uh, we see them as uh, extremely problematic, to say the least. And we call both sides to leave uh, the Holocaust and uh, uh, the, the, the Nazi regime aside uh, when they engage in propaganda in this conflict. So let's try to understand the, the claim itself. The theory about Hitler's Jewish roots has been uh, spread by various conspiracy nuts over the years, but no historical proof has ever been found. As far as you know, and Yad Vashem knows, is there any truth to it? Where it, is it coming from? No, that there is no truth to it, but you know, uh, conspirators uh, always use a historical, a, a very small thing that can cast doubt and they inflate it into a, a huge, a, a huge dimensions. And this is exactly the case. Um, we don't know uh, for sure, 100% uh, for sure, who was um, Hitler's uh, grandfather, um, paternal grandfather. Uh, because he's, he was what we would call a, an illegal child or a bastard, some would, we, we used to call them uh, in other times. Um, and then uh, there are theories uh, that completely unfounded that the father of uh, Hitler's father uh, was Jewish. Um, basically, the, the person that uh, uh, invented that idea was a Nazi criminal um, named Hans Frank that was uh, tried in, in Nuremberg, in the, in the Nuremberg trials and hanged 
1946, but he uh, wrote memoirs that were published after his death. And in that, uh, uh, those memoirs, memoirs, he floated that uh, uh, idea. So basically, it's a Nazi uh, theory that has uh, no foundation. Um, it's quite clear today who was uh, uh, Adolf Hitler's grandfather, uh, a person that later married his grandmother. Um, uh, his name was Hitler. Uh, Hitler, uh, Hitler then changed it to, to Hitler. Um, but uh, um, it is completely unfounded. Like any conspiracy, uh, there is a grain of uh, doubt that uh, those interested in, in, in promoting that conspiracy theory or that fallacy uh, inflate it to, to make it the fact and, and distort it completely. So uh, the fact is that it's a, it's a legend a false, a, we, we know now who was the grandfather of Adolf Hitler and he was not Jewish, but let's, for the sake of the argument, let's say Hitler was a one quarter or one eighth Jewish. What difference would it make to the history of our people or to our perception of life in the world? No, I don't think that it would make a, a, a real difference in spite of the fact it would be a somewhat embarrassment, but but not that's not but when it is not true and someone says it is he has a purpose he has a motivation why a person lies about the fact because he has a motivation in this case the motivation i must uh, say with uh, uh, with great sorrow is an anti-semitic motivation is to to blame the jews of something that they not do um uh, they they not did so uh, uh, if it were true, okay, historical facts, if some of them are inconvenient, that's uh, an historical fact. That's the nature of history. But when it is not true and someone insists to claim that it is, we have to say why, to ask why does he do it? And the reason when someone promotes a, a fallacy like this as it would were true, um, it is to discredit the Jewish people. That is very clear. Okay, let's uh, before we will try to zoom out a little and talk about uh, uh, Holocaust memorials in the in the generations after the the witnesses are gone. Just wanted to ask you if uh, President Putin's apology uh, surprised you. I know that it surprised the Prime Minister Bennett and Minister Zev Elkin that were was on the line. The, the conversation was um, after the President Zelensky called Bennett in Independence Day here in Israel and asked him to ask Putin for a humanitarian corridor, etc. And then when he spoke to Putin after, uh, in, the, in the end of the conversation, suddenly the President wanted to apologize. Was it a surprise for you? Well, I think it was a proper thing to do. Um, I am uh, I am not, uh, you know, an expert on Vladimir Putin. I must agree uh, with you that there is no science whatsoever that Mr. Putin is uh, anti-Semitic or has any anti-Semitic inclinations, or, or probably, as you said, uh, quite the contrary. Um, but so, therefore, I must say that President Putin did the right thing. Um, uh, without uh, that apology, I think that uh, it will be a, 
a serious uh, um, blow to, 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 to the Russian um, integrity and, 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 and diplomacy. Uh, you know, uh, racism, anti-Semitism uh, uh, is not something that in the 21st century you can uh, go with, you, you can go with it without uh, paying a price. Um, so I think that it was the Russian interest to put an end to this uh, affair. And, uh, you know, after all, Mr. Putin did it in the most uh, um, understated way that we can expect. We didn't hear his apology. Um, the Kremlin didn't publish his apology. But uh, it is good. It is very good that he did. It's a lot better than not, apolo not apologizing at all. I completely agree. Let's, uh, Danny Diane, uh, Yad Vashem Chairman, let's uh, zoom out. The last of the Holocaust survivors are dying. In five or ten years, there will be no more witnesses to this unimaginable event. What is Yad Vashem's strategic plan for continuing to instill the memory of the Holocaust among Israelis and the nations of the world? Is there a substitute for a survivor facing you with a blue number embedded on his arm, looking you in the eye and describing the horror? Well, you are completely right. We are approaching, unfortunately, for natural reasons, uh, a new era in which there will be no actual uh, witnesses. Uh, that will make uh, Yad Vashem's uh, task much more difficult, much more challenging, um, but also much more important, much more vital. So we will have to redouble our efforts. Of course, we continue to gather um, uh, testimonies, film testimony, audio testimony from survivors, uh, uh, pages of testimony, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I agree that uh, there is no substitute, uh, equal substitute to an actual survivor, an actual witness uh, that tells his or her uh, story. But uh, that, of course, doesn't mean that uh, uh, we can uh, leave the ground for the deniers and the distortionists, uh, quite the contrary. It means that we will have to redouble our efforts. Um, we will have to use the technology. We will have to, use, to, to, to redouble our, our efforts to, to tell the story. But you know, Ben, uh, I, 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 I am fully aware of the the impact that uh, that will have. But I will never forget, uh, not even for one minute, that, we're, that there are six million Jews that were never able uh, to sit in front of a camera and give their testimony. They were never able to sit in front of a computer or a paper and a pen and write their memoirs because they were exterminated in Auschwitz, in Treblinka, in Babiyar. Um, so we also, uh, that explains why we are so obsessed. And I know that obsessed is usually a word with negative connotations, but I use it quite proudly. We are obsessed in, in, in um, collecting more and more documents and artifacts uh, regarding the Holocaust. Uh, we have in our archive, which is the by far the largest archive in the world on, on the Holocaust. We have more than 200 million documents, but we continue. We continue to do it, to, to, to search uh, 
uh, archives because that is the testimony of the six million that uh, didn't make it. Uh, for instance, as we speak now, uh, we have uh, uh, Yad Vashem experts for the first time in history uh, getting access to what probably was the is the last uh, black hole uh, in archival information in the world, and that is the Vatican archives. Uh, we finally got access to the Vatican archives, and that will tell us a lot about uh, uh, what happened uh, with the Catholic Church inside the Catholic Church, relation between the Catholic Church and, <coughs> and uh, uh, bishops and archbishops all over Europe and Jews that asked for rescue from the Holy See. Uh, that is uh, extremely important for the research. So we will continue to document, we will continue to research based on those documents. There are still uh, uh, vast unresearched areas of the Holocaust, um, geographic and thematic, <clears throat> and we will continue to tell the story in uh, many ways, uh, modern ways, in Israel, in the world. Using technology, and I know every foreign leader, every visit, every formal visit in Israel starts in Yad Vashem. I wanted to ask you as a follow-up question, the number of people of visitors to Yad Vashem is rising or declining through, uh, during the years? And do you still record the uh, testimonials from uh, living survivors? I know we have a lot of testimonials. We have to thank also, I, I guess, uh, Steven Spielberg that uh, spent a lot of uh, resources uh, doing it. How many testimonials do we have? Oh, we have a, a, a very large number. We have uh, tens of thousands, uh, including uh, those that uh, Spielberg, uh, the entire Spielberg archive is also obviously in Yad Vashem. But you know, um, you ask about the, the numbers, uh, obviously during the COVID, um, it declined from more than 1 million a year in 2019 to barely 100,000 uh, in 2020, 2021. And uh, but now we see again the Yad Vashem packed uh, with visitors from all over the world, and the number will again uh, grow. It was continuously growing until COVID uh, came, and now it's uh, growing again. Um, and and you know something uh, very interesting, Ben, the interest on the Holocaust is rising, and uh, you know. Uh, Things that uh, for, take, for instance, an Holocaust denial. In the 80s, in the 90s, in the 70s of the previous century, there was a, a, a whole school of even so-called intellectuals or pseudo-intellectuals that denied the Holocaust. Today, you don't see that. Think about it. The, the International Holocaust Remembrance Day, January 27, was established in the 21st century. It didn't exist in the 20th century. Uh, IRA, the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, Alliance, which has more than 50 members, states, and uh, we hope to Israel will be the chairman in 2025. Um, the the, uh, the president um, was established in 20 in the 21st century. It didn't exist in the 20th century. Conferences uh, like the conference that the Prime Minister of Sweden convened recently in Malmo to speak about the Holocaust, those are, um, those are things that happened in the 21st century and didn't happen in the 20th century. So the Holocaust is still extremely relevant. 
And you know, the emotions that it creates, um, you see that it is a, a living, uh, a living uh, event in, 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 in human conscience, not only in Jewish conscience. And I have to state as well uh, to mention it's not a Yad Vashem project, but in the in the uh, last visit in the Holocaust Memorial Day, the the Israeli Holocaust Memorial Day, they, in the in the parade in Auschwitz, uh, we saw uh, Israeli Arabs, groups of Israeli Arabs, going to Auschwitz, uh, learning about this event, trying to understand uh, the the Jews' obsession, as you called it and where it came from, and the, the comments were uh, amazing. And, and I will tell you that, uh, Ben, regarding that, uh, uh, you will not be surprised to know that uh, before uh, going to Poland, they spent a few days in Yad Vashem. I also personally met them uh, uh, before they left uh, for Poland in Yad Vashem. And I also can tell you that we are in contact uh, with a museum in Dubai that has already a gallery on the Holocaust, the uh, Crossroads of Civilizations Museum. Uh, the director of the museum uh, uh, will come to Yad Vashem uh, in the near future. And we hope to convert that together into a full-fledged Holocaust museum, the first in an Arab country. So still we have uh, some good news if we can use the, the phrase good news about this, uh, this issue. Uh, Yad Vashem Chairman Danny Diana, I thank you very much for this interesting uh, conversation. Thank you very much to that, Danny. Thank you, Ben. And we'll go for a short break and uh, be back right after this with some final thoughts. Toda. Hello, I'm uh, Gilles Kepel, professor at uh, Sciences Po and the Normal Soup in Paris and author of a number of uh, books and articles on the Middle East. Through my new podcast, Reading the Middle East on the award-winning media service and monitor, we will take a deep dive into the trends in the region with the authors and thought leaders who are shaping how we think about the Middle East. Reading the Middle East will be a fantastic addition to Al Monitor's outstanding podcast lineup, including On the Middle East with Andrew Paraziliti and Amber Inzaman, and On Israel with Ben Kaspit. You can subscribe on your favorite listening platforms. We look forward to your joining our conversation. Thank you for uh, staying with us. A few uh, headlines from uh, Yad Vashem Chairman Danny Dayan about uh, this, um, I think, weird affair when uh, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov claimed that uh, Hitler was partly Jew. Uh, Danny Dayan says that uh, although uh, President Putin apologized in a phone conversation with Prime Minister Bennett, the stain remains on Lavrov and on the Russian people. Uh, it was better uh, to hear this uh, apology, said Danny Dayan, uh, from uh, the president's voice, uh, and or maybe read it in the Kremlin, uh, Kremlin's account about this conversation between the two leaders. Uh, but uh, then later the prime minister's uh, office uh, uh, publicized this uh, apology, the Kremlin did not deny it, so it's better done uh, this way than not done at all. 
but the stain, says uh, Yad Vashem German, remains. Generally speaking, Danny Diane said that the entire uh, Russia-Ukraine conflict is uh, uh, too heavily uh, uh, saturated with vocabulary that, uh, as he said it, should not exist. The talk by uh, Putin and other Russian leaders about the denazification of Ukraine, on the other hand, the Ukrainians are also not so innocent to Danny Dayan's opinion, especially when uh, uh, the Ukrainian people, the, the, when the president Zelensky in his speech uh, before the Knesset, the Israeli Knesset, said that uh, the Ukrainian people helped the Jews during the Holocaust and the reality was a little bit uh, different. So maybe in my words, it's about time to uh, desert this uh, Nazi talk because uh, the Nazis uh, were Germans between uh, 1933 and 1945 that uh, exterminated six million Jews. We don't have Nazis like this in uh, the current context. So it's just not true. And when I asked Tony Diane if uh, claiming that Hitler was a Jew or a partial Jew is anti-Semitism, the question, the, the answer was very clear and loud. Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, when you say that on the top of the pyramid of the Holocaust actually stood a Jew, so the victims become uh, also the perpetrators. So uh, yes, this is uh, anti-Semitism. But maybe we should uh, finish uh, or conclude uh, these remarks with the, the optimistic side, because uh, I, I was not aware of it, but Danny Dan said that uh, in the 21st century, the situation is better, talking about anti-Semitism. And of course, whole, and, uh, above all, Holocaust deniers that uh, flourished during the 80s, 70s, maybe 90s of the 20th century, but you, you hardly hear about them on the 21st century. And also the, the Holocaust International Memorial Day was established now in this century, in the 21st century. So maybe time works on behalf of, uh, of the Jewish people on, uh, on this front. I hope you found uh, today's podcast interesting and I hope to find you here next, uh, next uh, week the same time, the same place, on Israel in our monitor. I'm Ben Kaspi from Tel Aviv. Thank you, take care, and bye-bye.